in two hours from now, I am going. We are going to kidnap your son and daughter and rape your wife. They want to stop, you know, gospel preaching in Nepal, and I have kind of conviction that if we don't preach, we will preach the gospel in Nepal. When we, I see the Christians are you know, standing for faith, so when I compare my persecution in front of them, I have got nothing. I don't have. I have nothing, and we will not give up our faith, whatever kind of persecution we. We get enemies of the gospel call Brother Matthew on his cell phone. They threaten to kidnap his children and abuse his wife. Matthew and his family have had to move multiple times to different cities because of the threats. Yet they continue to serve our persecuted family in Nepal. And Brother Matthew says when he sees the suffering that other Christians endure, he doesn't even feel his own suffering is worth mentioning. We'll meet this brave Christian brother and hear about our spiritual family in Nepal this week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Uh, we have a special privilege today uh, to have uh, a brother from the country of Nepal. Uh, I am especially pleased to have him in the studio because uh, I went to Nepal, uh, traveled with him, worked alongside him, saw his ministry there. Uh, Brother Matthew, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, sir. This is my privilege, sir. One of the things I appreciate, and, and I'll just give our listeners a little bit of background, uh, when we get a report about persecution in Nepal, uh, Brother Matthew goes there. He goes to the village sometimes uh, in one case, the story that he told us, he got there before the government got there. Uh, so he was the first person on the scene to meet with the Christians there, uh, to encourage them to find out what happened, and uh, to be our hands and eyes and feet to deliver help uh, and encouragement to that family, to pray with them, uh, to let them know that the body of Christ had not forgotten them. So uh, I really appreciate his ministry and his work. And uh, but it's, it's not coming without a cost. And Matthew, share with us, uh, not, not very long ago, you got a phone call. Uh, tell us a little bit about that call. Almost like a two months ago, I received a phone call. One of the Hindu radical people called me and said that in two hours from now, I am going, we are going to kidnap your son and daughter and rape your wife. And they, this is how they called me. I said, okay. And uh, next to me, in that time, my wife was sitting me, and she had a kind of, and she said, no, no, we should leave the place, and we need to go somewhere. But we exactly moved in a, in a, in a, in a, some place for two hours. But after two hours, we checked everything. They didn't do anything, and they didn't kidnap my son and daughter, and my wife was with me. We were okay. Did that make you afraid? I mean, were you worried, or? Uh, yeah, of course, we, we worried that one, because we thought that my wife is next to me, and I have a son and daughter. If they say sometimes they do, they say means they do. I don't know why they didn't do that day. I was a bit confused. And another day, another morning, early morning, 6.30, they again called me and said that from now this many times, so we are going to 
kidnapped your son and daughter and you will rape your wife and will kill you all those things they've been calling me they called me times and time and i that day and i was had a kind of fear on me that probably they are going to kidnap my son because they know where my son is study and where we are exactly they know and uh, and we change the location again we change the location and another day another day following day they called me and said that same thing that what they've been telling to me and i said no i don't believe you i told them i don't believe you you don't do this and they said they said okay you see later and after one week i found a paper a small piece of paper they wrote that when our time will come we'll do all these things but now you can you know you'll be survive and we thought of telling to police also and we didn't say we didn't we didn't report to police and we had a other kind of security problem telling to police so from then like almost like 2 month we have not have have received anything and they have not you know you know damage personally to me what are they angry about why do they issue these threats why are they so opposed to your family and the kind of issue the kind of problem we have and they thinks that the christianity is means like western religion and it's not the religion that we accept in a country and uh, they thinks that i i just help the western passing all our information and a uh, lot lots of our country security things and you know trying to preach the gospel among the people and converting them that's what they don't like me much this is how and this isn't the first time that you face this uh, i mean you your family has relocated several times in order to avoid these situations and get away why do you keep on going why do you keep on doing the work that you're doing almost eight towns we have visited in in a three or two or three years almost eight towns we have gone relocated they call me night and morning we have to go so one thing that you know provoke us to you know you know good questions one thing we provoked us because they wants to stop you know gospel preaching in nepal and i have kind of conviction that if we don't preach we will preach the gospel in nepal this is how kind of things i got whatever they say whatever they do but we are not going to stop you know you know in serving the lord in nepal i love that statement if we don't preach the gospel in nepal who's going to uh what a what a passionate call uh but you do have fear you do have nervousness but you keep going are there are there particular scripture passages that you really grab a hold of and draw on are there particular prayers that you say that uh that get you through those hard times or those fearful times or you know just kind of practically walk me through how how do you respond to that and keep going in spite of the danger Now even Bible says that you know don't get fear those who kill your body I means to fear those who you know you know kill your 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 spirit or you will be you know out of the the internal life that gives me but other thing in Nepal many christian get persecution every day when we see them and we i feel that i got my persecution is nothing in front of them because they lost their parents they lost their home and raped the girls when they when we i see the christians are in standing for faith so i don't feel i think that myself when i compare my persecution in front of them i have i have gone i have gone nothing i don't have i have nothing so this is how i forced to go out so you're really encouraged by the testimonies of the people that you meet with and the, and the people that you go to serve uh, and like you say when when you stand with them 
you don't really feel like you've been persecuted at all. I don't feel anything. I don't feel. I think that you know this gave me the more energy that to do you know to help our Christian. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. When you go to uh, to a, a persecution situation, uh, what it, what do you usually do? What, what do you? I mean, what is your response? Uh, it, let's say you hear that uh, a pastor has been beaten up in a village. Uh, what is your kind of your thought process when you go to the village? What are you looking to try to do? No, when we heard, when I heard our office heard this thing, so we go to the village and we see the pastor, which condition is he and which type of group. There are many communists. Is the another another fact in Nepal to persecute the Christian communist, and we have some regional language, regional religious people, and Hindu. Just so when we go to there, we talk to pastor. How did it happen? So you know they are waiting for the people come to and share their their pain, and when they share their pain, and we we we. We, we got kind of encouragement and we tell them, okay, this happens. We Sometimes we preach from the Bible and sometimes we give the relief and sometimes we say, see, this is one of the uh, beatitude Jesus told to the to the disciples. Those who get the persecution for you know, kingdom, they, they will inherit the kingdom. Kingdom, this is how we'll go. But one major thing is that we always remember when we go to, we visit the persecuted Christian that time we, we we shouldn't speak much. We we don't you know say this this that. But we always go through that until that they you know show your love to them. We should show our love and we should care them. We should listen to them. So many times we speak more rather listening. Those those the persecuted believer they want to speak more. This happened. This happened. This happened. So we just listen to them and they will feel comfort. This is how I do. I go and you know you know you know read the situations. This is how I do. What is the response of the government of Nepal? Are they trying to protect the Christians? Are they uh, causing persecution to happen? Or uh, how, what is their response? Well, government, they don't count us a first citizen. We are always a second citizenship. In Nepal, Christians are second citizen. So once you are a second citizen, what happened? Government, they don't know that we are a Christian or we live in Nepal. It's a, it's a, you know, we are very proud of saying we are Nepali Christians, but government don't take us this way. So the government really treats you as second-class citizens and um, even doesn't really think of you as, as Nepali. As, as a citizen, not Nepali, as a citizen. And we don't have any privilege to go to the government job, bank job, and army and police. They don't allow us to you know, you know, you know, get the, the country's or state uh, privileges and opportunity. So in the, at the village level... Is the persecution coming from the government, or is it coming more from the family members, or is it coming kind of from the village leadership? The government directly never involves persecuting Christian in Nepal, but they have the other way of you know you know provoking the local community and the the uh, like a Hindu priest, and basically we have a kind of persecution called Maoist, a kind of communist. They 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 persecute the Christian, but government. I have never heard government directly involves the persecution. So the government's not directly involved, but they kind of stand back and let it happen. <laughs> they yeah, they never register our case in a, in a police stations. This is that's what we realize that we can sense and we we can identify that our government is not our side. What are the ways that you uh, 
you, you talked about when you go to meet with persecuted Christians, most of what you do is listen. What do they say? What Are they simply telling you their stories? Are they crying on your shoulder? What what do they say when you go and meet with them? And first day, really, as you said, that they just lay down our shoulder and cry. But later they will say, sir, this is the right time to stand. stand. And we will not give up our faith, whatever kind of persecution we we get. And they, they will always say that you just pray for us and we stand behind us. That so we can be more strong in a, in a faith. I have 90% of record of our persecuted brother and sister in Nepal. They have never given a faith. Instead of they are always growing, church is growing because of persecution in Nepal. The young, uh, the young people, are they strong in their faith? They go forward with the gospel? Young people, more like below uh, 20. Yes, 15 to 20, they are very strong in a faith. And uh, they have right a calling, they feel the calling and vision to bring the gospel in Nepal. And one of the things I, I think you do also is is have conferences for pastors. Uh, what kind of training do you offer the pastors, or what kind of encouragement do you offer to them? We always talk about the persecution. What what how how will we stand when the persecution come? We we teach them the leadership and the faithfulness, being a faithfulness to Christ. And our main is, and we always go for Acts seven. When Stephen was persecuted, he said that, Father, forgive them. So this is how we always teach to our Christian brother and sister in Nepal because we are very few. Nobody listens our 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 voices. Only God listens our voice. That's what we always plead to God, please save us and you know, give us more courage to stand when the persecution comes. And have you seen pastors uh, be able to put that in practice to really forgive the people who are persecuting them? We have many, many record that one. Last, uh, no, I, I'll share one story because one, uh, two years ago, there was a six Christian house was burned completely. On a villager came and burned completely and boys of the matters able to build the six houses. And last year, pastor called me to speak in a church. This was two years ago. Last year, Christmas, I went to speak in the church. First time when I went and I see our brothers, there were only 24 Christians. Last time I went and spoke to the church, there was 85 Christian brother and sister in that church. And I asked, how did this church grow? They said, because of this 24 brother and sister faith, and they forgive us, and that's what we, you know, believe in Christ. Now we are all part of this one. So there were 24 people in the church, and they burned down six houses, and then the church grew to 85. 85. Wow. And it was simply the forgiveness. Forgiveness. Of our brothers and sisters. Wow. That that drew the people, people to faith. To Christ, yeah. That's an amazing story. Uh, is that a common thing? I mean, is that how the church is growing? Because there's persecution and then the people respond in a positive way? Is is that a significant part of why the church is growing? Well, one of the part. One of the part. The church is growing in Nepal in a village area, rural area, because our persecuted brother and sister's faith and their patience towards the persecutor. What are some of the things that Voice of the Martyrs is doing to encourage the church there? Almost we have uh, we have uh, distributed over a million Bible and uh, CC and VU Christian Village Outreach and Christian Care. And we have uh, like a widow program. It means that we have a sewing machine that we distribute our sister in different area. And we have distributed over 400 bicycles to our uh, evangelists to go to different area to you know to evangelize the like the people 
So we really are equipping the church across the board. I told you that Voice of the Matters in Nepal is the like a Christian resources for them to, you know, bring the gospel in our country. That's a great privilege for us. Matthew, one of the one of the situations that we experienced together when I was there is a, a village that came and they were being pressured uh, the Christians from the village were being pressured to contribute to the Hindu temple. Uh, to build a new Hindu temple. And uh, the Christians were saying, no, we're not going to contribute. We're not Hindus. Uh, we're not going to help you build a temple. Uh, and they asked us, the, the villagers had told them, if you don't contribute, we're going to beat you up. We're going to uh, do something to your houses. We're going to destroy your animals. Uh, and one of the things I'll always remember, because we were in the church and they asked us, what should we do? <laughs> what should we tell them? Um uh, is that a question that is that a situation that you get in a lot where they're asking you how should we respond what what should we do when we're facing this persecution we i almost every alternative day i face this kind of problem because our new convert from the hindu background so all hindu people you know pays the homage to the idols or whatever maybe temples so they requested even christian to pay all that one if they want to leave that village unfortunately to say that one you just reminded me we missed two to our evangelists from that village. I don't know where they are. They kidnapped and killed or caught, I don't know, chop, or we don't know anything. We have missed two our PSP evangelists from that village. And uh, now there is no Christian now. No Christian. No Christians no in, Christian. the village. No Christian in the village. They've either been kidnapped or they've had to flee. No, six family, they came down and they relocated to another village. And two pastors are not pastors, they are evangelists. They missed. They're just missing. Nowhere. We don't know. We try to find out, and even we complain to the government. They said we don't know. Wow. So, and that's the village where yeah, we met yeah, those yes, people yes, from. Yes. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Do you ever feel discouraged? I mean, you're getting threatening phone calls. You're dealing with people who have had incredible loss and suffering, do you ever feel like, oh, Lord, I, I can't do this for another day? No, a couple of years ago, I thought of quitting Voice of the Matters or I live in India, go to India and settle down. But my wife told me that if we leave the country, what happens? Don't leave. Even though we have lots of trouble and problem, but uh, discouragement, now I told you already that when I saw our brother and sister getting persecution, I don't feel anything. I feel the kind of encourage energy so that I should do more than this. That's what we are known as in Christian ambulance in Nepal. Everybody says, Voice of the Matters is the Christian ambulance. So we go and, you know, help the people feel. But, you know, human, I'm also human. I feel many times tired and doing that. But Bible says that, you know, you know, Matthew 11, 28 says that, you know, you know, you know, heavy leather come to me, I'll give you rest. So I don't feel all those. So it seems like your wife is a great encouragement to you in your work. No, she's my my right hand to do this one. Sometimes I got a kind of time I have short temper. Sometimes I feel a pressure high, and I said that I do this, and she said, "No, don't do it." Even even you read through the Bible, she said that go and read from Genesis to Revelation, where Christian has you know raised their hand toward the enemy. No one I have never seen. She said so. I stopped doing that. <laughs> So uh, she's kind of your conscience. Yeah. Uh -huh. yes, you know. Well, she is a very brave lady, 
you are very brave also to face the trials and the threats and the persecution that you face. How can we pray for the country of Nepal and especially for the church there? You know, you just, you, you know, all the Western people or the American people can pray for to our countries that, you know, let Christian have a patience and, you know, seek God's will and his his wisdom so that we can grow we will not you know you know growing christianity is not means that when we target it to other people those who you know who you know harm us rather doing that we just always lean on god god so pray our christian brother and sister that whatever situation comes whatever kind of you know persecution we face we should be always be stand for faith and always bring the gospel to unknown people that only we can reach to our Nepali, Nepali brother and sister, those who have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And how can we pray for your family, for you and for your wife and for your kids? So please pray for me that God will give me another 20 years to our life so, so that we can do double that what we've been doing. I'm not sure that how long we are. I'm going to survive in Nepal, and that is pretty sure. So even one Nepal vice president of our country has given me the reward award that what I've been doing in our country. But many people are targeting me. Anytime they will find me alone, may I lose my life. But pray for me that God will give me another 20 years extra so that I can do double. <laughs> another 20 years. All right. Matthew, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your example. And thank you for sharing your story today on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Thank you. Thank you, sir, giving me this privilege to share, you know, what we've been doing in our country. Thank you, sir. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We've been talking with Brother Matthew from Nepal. Uh, I encourage you to pray for this country. Uh, I also, as somebody who's been there, encourage you to visit. It is one of the most spectacularly beautiful countries I've ever seen. Uh, The mountains there are amazing. Uh, So pray for the country. It's a beautiful country. And pray for Brother Matthew and his family. Thank you for listening today. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. If you're listening today and you have a question or a comment about the program, maybe a question about Nepal or a comment about how something that Brother Matthew said impacted you, you can connect with us online at vomradio.net or you can call our toll-free comment line at 1-800-757-5069. Online at vomradio.net or by phone, 1-800-757-5069. We have a question this week that comes from Gary in Alaska. Thanks for your email, Gary. Uh, And Gary isn't the only one who has asked questions about this, but his question has to do with the security of the people we serve and whose stories we tell on our website and the VOM newsletter, uh, and even here on VOM Radio. Gary adopted a frontline worker, which means that he agreed to pray for a Christian worker in a restricted nation for one year, and VOM sent him a picture of his worker, a little bit of information about that worker, and on the back of the picture, we have a note that uh, you shouldn't scan the picture and then post it online or share it on social media. Uh, Gary, thanks for your question, and uh, especially, I think, for your heart to protect these gospel workers. Uh, I want to try to give you and our listeners a little bit of background about how we make decisions on publishing people's photos and stories. 
We always want to err on the side of caution, so we try to always do that, and we always listen to our contacts inside the country where the person is from, uh, because obviously they have the best understanding of what the security situation is and the best ways to protect the believers there. So as an example, we have a relationship through our workers and our contacts with uh, literally thousands of pastors and evangelists that are working on the front lines in hostile and restricted nations where VOM works. Only about one-fourth of those people, though, are we able to have someone adopt and send a picture and send the name and information about because the situation for the other three-quarters, or 75% of those people, simply we just can't do that. It puts them at too much risk. It's too dangerous to have a picture that we send out of them. Uh, but even in the cases where we can send a photo, uh, we ask people not to put them online because, as you know, the Internet reaches around the world uh, and we don't want, you know, that pastor's picture to be pulled up uh, in the country where they live and, and people to start asking questions and say, wait a minute, uh, that guy is a pastor? We, <laughs> we need to do something about that. So, uh, they're, like I say, 75% of the workers we work with, we can't share their picture. We can't share any information about them. The 25% that we can, uh, we still want to be careful, and particularly when it comes to social media and the online stuff that reaches around the world, we always want to err on the side of caution. When it comes to the newsletter, you'll know from reading that uh, you know sometimes we cover people's faces, sometimes we don't. This reflects the security situation in the specific country that we're sharing about, as well as the wishes of the Christians whose story we are telling. Uh, we consult with them, we consult with their church leaders, and we consult with our field workers uh, to really know what the situation is and know what the risks and what the dangers are. Uh, you know, there's been times I've been visiting with persecuted Christians and hearing their stories, and I pull out my camera and uh, they will say, hey, you print my picture, you put it online, uh, I'm excited about what I'm doing, and besides that, the police already know who I am, they know what I'm doing, just go ahead and use the picture wherever you want. Uh, there's been other times uh, at the other end of the spectrum where uh, as soon as I pull out a camera, you can sense a noticeable tension in the room and, and people are like, wait a minute, uh, what are you doing with the camera? What are you going to do with these pictures? Uh, and so we always try to be sensitive to that and, uh, and, and err on the side of caution. So Gary and others who've asked, that's kind of a long answer to a short question, uh, but we really do take it on kind of an individual basis. We look at each case, uh, each country, the specific situation that the people are in, and we always try to err on the side of caution to protect those that we're serving. Thank you for asking, Gary. And again, if you have a question or a comment, you can contact us online at vomradio.net or call our toll-free comment line at 1-800-757-5069. VOMradio.net is also the place you can listen to our conversation with Brother Matthew again. You can hear other episodes of VOM Radio, and you can share them with your friends. If you're tweeting about our conversation today, or, or maybe you tweet out a quote from Brother Matthew, use the hashtag VOMRadio. That'll help with us connect with you on Twitter. Uh, so use that hashtag, VOM Radio. I also want to encourage you, if you're a U.S. resident, to sign up to receive VOM's free monthly newsletter. You can do that also at vomradio.net. There's actually a link right at the top of that page. Uh, sign up to receive the free monthly newsletter. 
to stay up to date what's happening with our brothers and sisters around the world and help you to pray more effectively for them. Thank you, Brother Matthew, for being our guest this week, and thank you for spending the last half hour with us. Jesus told us that in the world we would have trouble, but not to fear because he has overcome the world. Be encouraged by that truth today as you pray for our persecuted family around the world and come back and join us next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.